0: I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Say today, I want to tell you about a case that I had that actually got me what I call a Matlock moment. And it is absolutely one of those unbelievable cases, but it really did happen. So this occurred in the state of New Hampshire, this case. And it goes back to before... New Hampshire passed what is called constitutional carry, which is, of course, no permit required carry. In New Hampshire, as in 20 other states, you can carry concealed or open handgun or even other firearms, depending on which state you're in, without any license or permit, and that's how it was meant to be. But prior to that, New Hampshire had a carry permit, that you needed to get. And, uh, and it was required if you were going to carry a handgun loaded, concealed on your person or loaded in a motor vehicle. So I had a client who was actually being harassed by, uh, police for his political activism and other things. And it seemed apparent that they were quote out to get him, but Regardless, the fights that he had, uh, you know, were handled and all went along fine. And then one day he went to a dentist appointment and he had some tooth pulled and his whole mouth is, uh, sore and swollen. And his, uh, fiance picked him up in their vehicle and he's in the left, you know, he's in the passenger, uh, seat and he's kind of, you know, achy and a mess from his uh, dental work. And she's driving. And one of the local police that had been on his case pulled him over. And the pretext for pulling him over was not even any traffic offense, but rather to, quote, warn him to stay away from a particular area where he was going regarding his uh, political activism. And in so pulling them over, they ended up pushing an issue into a search. And lo and behold, they find behind the driver, who was his fiance, behind her, uh, find a loaded handgun in her bag. Now, she had a New Hampshire carry license. She bought this gun. It was her gun. It was in her zipped kind of computer bag behind her seat. That's her bag. And she's driving her car, okay? So it seems pretty clear who this gun uh, belonged to and who was carrying. Now, my client was not a prohibited person, but he did not have a New Hampshire uh, carry license because he did not believe in getting one and eventually i guess he was proved correct because we got constitutional carry but he didn't have one and it wasn't his gun and he wasn't anything thinking about that gun that was hers and that was her uh, all hers so when they find the gun there they end up charging my client with possession of a loaded handgun in a motor vehicle now he is simply a passenger he did not access this gun. He had nothing whatsoever to do with guns when they got pulled over. And yet the officer concocted this uh, theory, if you will, that somehow uh, he's also a possessor when it wasn't even in any way uh, within his uh, domain and control. But didn't matter. So we end up going to a trial on this and we're in a uh, district court on this trial of this case and this officer uh, was hardly the sharpest tool in the shed and uh, it was really something because when they pull out the evidence of the gun and the charge is possession of a loaded handgun in a motor vehicle and the evidence bag that contains the gun has the gun in battery. The slide is completely forward. There is no safety device on it whatsoever. There's no wire tied through the barrel. There's nothing but a firearm in a plastic bag rolling around in a plastic bag where the charge is that the gun was loaded. And this is now in an evidence bag in the courtroom. So, on seeing this and not wanting to get shot by mishandling of a gun and realizing that this is absurd, that the evidence has been improperly handled, I make immediately object and say that this firearm needs to be rendered safe. It needs to be clearly safe and cleared for that matter and not rolling around in an evidence plastic evidence bag with the action closed and no one knows what the status of this gun is other than a charge that it was loaded so the judge who was a a retired marine and knew about guns immediately said counsel we're going to clear the courtroom And he cleared the courtroom and he ordered the officer to clear the weapon and to make sure that it was visibly safe and properly in that evidence bag. And that's what happened. So cleared it, made sure it was empty, the whole bit. And now it was, you know, wire tied right in the way it should be so that everyone knows the firearm is not, at that time, a loaded gun bouncing around in a plastic bag. And... When we got back from the courtroom being cleared and we get into the court, the court says, okay, you know, we're back in session and uh, back to the prosecutor. Okay, now I'll hear you. And this prosecutor then says, well, now that we've satisfied Mr. Knappen, like that. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. The judge jumped on her like no one's busy. He said... And the court, firearm safety is an absolute priority of this court, Madam Prosecutor. And what Mr. Knappen did was absolutely correct. And that's why I took the action that I did. And now we know that that firearm is, oh, he gave her quite the uh, tongue lashing over that remark. And the fact is, it's true. You don't want to have that, because it wouldn't be the first time there was some accident in a courtroom because someone didn't know what they were dealing with. And uh, and so that was good, but that wasn't the end of this case. That just, of course, painted State's expert in a wonderful light, or State's witness here, not the expert. And so State's witness there, this copy gets on the stand, and after being questioned about how this went down, I get to cross-examine him. And I ask him, I go, where was the firearm? It was in the bag. Was the bag zipped? Oh, yeah, it was, it was closed. Yeah, and the bag was the driver's? Yeah. And she has a license to carry? Yeah. And you ran the gun, and she purchased it herself? Right, yeah. So it's plainly her gun, her license. It was her vehicle, right? Yeah. So you have all that back there, and he's in the passenger seat. Right. So I said, so in order for him to even access this, gun it's your theory of the case right that he is somehow in possession of this as well because he can somehow access this gun in a motor vehicle right and somehow even though we've clearly established it was her gun her permit her car all that in her bag your theory is that he could somehow access this and that is somehow a violation of new hampshire's law at that time and he goes yes so, in other words, I said he would he would turn to the left, right, all the way to the left, yeah, turn to the left, and he'd have to look down there and find this bag under, you know, over the hump and back behind, yeah, and then he'd have to unzip and look in there and dig around and find this gun somewhere in the bottom of that, right? And he'd be looking in there and seeing that, and that's how we do it, right? That's how we'd have to access it in that manner. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it's your testimony, That's your theory as to what he could do, right? Oh yeah, but he didn't do that, did he? Oh oh no, he never touched it, right? No, and you never saw him access it. No, but it's your theory that is this is somehow possible for him to do this, and he'd be able to do this fast, right? Oh yeah, he could quickly access it and do that, no problem. At which time, I asked him, "You identified the defendant here? Is that him sitting next to me?" Yes. I said, you sure that's him? Oh, yes, absolutely. I said, take a good look at him right now, at which time I gave the signal to my client to pop out his left glass eye in court. I kid you not. And he sat there with a hollow eye socket, looking at the judge and looking at the with his good eye and his hole at the officer. And I said, Officer, what do you notice about the defendant? Uh he's missing an eye. Right. He's missing his left eye, isn't he? So being completely blind on the left side, that probably would slow him down a little going through the steps that you just described. What do you think? Uh yeah, I guess so. I guess it would right. So the Matlock moment proved to be very true and how ridiculous the officer's theory was and actions, and my client was found not guilty. But that is absolutely the true story of the day my client popped out his glass eye in court and made quite an impression, I must say. Because a little bit... Later, a number of months and months later, my son uh was in scouts, boy scouts, and they had one of those trips to the court that the scouts do, which is pretty cool. And my son went there and before the judge even knew that he was there, one of the kids said, What was the most interesting case that happened that you you know dealt with he goes, Well, let me tell you about the time a guy popped his eye out in my court <laughs> So it definitely lives on in district court as one of those amazing moments. So uh, luckily that stupid law in New Hampshire is gone and individuals have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms and uh, defend themselves accordingly. Hey, listen, when we get back, I'm going to tell you about something really fascinating that I didn't even know myself and I am shocked that I didn't know this considering how much I believe to be a student of history and I think you're gonna find it fascinating as well I'm gonna let you in on this and man they try to cover this up Where do you see
1: for over 30 years attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people that's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners a fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer.
0: Hey, I want to tell you, I really, really appreciate that you uh, take the time to listen to Gun Lawyer. I know that I can help all of us stay protected, and that's really my goal, and to communicate with you. And I'd really appreciate if you help uh, fellow gun owners from becoming a law-abiding criminal, which is what these gun laws do. Tell them to listen to Gun Lawyer Radio and visit our website at gun.lawyer. It's like .com, but it's .lawyer, and it's gun.lawyer, www.gun.lawyer. What I'd really love is if you take a look at our inner circle on our website at gun.lawyer. Sign up for the inner circle. You're going to get the inside from me, Evan Knappen. I'll be giving you tips, tricks, insights, and fun. Sign up. It's free. Go to gun.lawyer. Join our inner circle. Remember, this helps me communicate with you to touch base, to let you know what's going on, because big tech doesn't care about our gun rights. They kind of don't like us, and they're trying to shut us down. And the inner circle and this podcast is a way we can stay in contact despite their efforts. We have big issues here we're dealing with, executive orders, Supreme Court taking up the Second Amendment finally after that hiatus, exciting stuff, but also a lot of nasty things that the other side's trying to do to us to jam our rights away. You're going to need to know what to do to protect yourself, what loopholes there might be. I'm going to fill you in on all that. You're going to want to know. So please subscribe to the podcast. Join the inner circle and help me get the word out. I'm depending on you. Now one of the things that I really am looking forward to telling you about here is something, you know, every you always learn something. There's always something to learn. Nobody knows everything. And as much as you think you know stuff, suddenly you find that there's something else you didn't know. I've been a student of history my whole life, grew up with love of history. I love our founding fathers. I love the Declaration of Independence constitution a bill of rights study these documents treasure these documents like i'm sure you do as well and i've always appreciated what our founding fathers did and how much they believed in freedom and the sacrifices they made but i gotta tell you something you know we're under attack now with our rights and you hear about people trying to belittle the second amendment or take it out of context and say it doesn't mean it's the individual right, but even though we know it does, and the Heller Supreme Court decision stands for that. And how, you know, this really, they misinterpret how our founding fathers viewed it and all, and we're constantly fighting this fight and making this argument. But I got to tell you something. There's a document that I found that kind of blew me away. It's a document that was a declaration like the Declaration of Independence, but a declaration written by Thomas Jefferson and John Dickerson. Did you know that they wrote a declaration that was adopted by the Second Continental Congress? Ready for this, folks? On July 6th, 1775 a year prior give or take a few days to our beloved declaration of independence and what did this declaration what did it what was it titled listen to this folks it was titled the declaration of the causes and necessity of taking up arms that's right folks the necessity of taking up arms a declaration a year before the declaration of independence written by thomas jefferson john dickinson and adopted by the second continental congress Did you know this existed? I didn't. Be honest with you. I should have known about it. I'm kind of aggravated with myself that I didn't. And if you did, well, that's pretty amazing for you. But if you didn't, or even if you did, I'm going to read you portions of this first declaration done, of a declaration we should cherish and celebrate, yet it's very hard to even find a copy of it on the Internet to read. But there it was. And I found it, and I want to read you some important sections of it that you'll find fascinating. Here's how it begins. If it was possible for men who exercise their reason to believe that the divine author of our existence intended a part of the human race to hold an absolute property in and an unbounded power over others marked out by his infinite goodness and wisdom as the objects of legal domination never rightfully resistible, however severe and oppressive. The inhabitants of these colonies might at least require from the Parliament of Great Britain some evidence that this dreadful authority over them has been granted to that body. Think of the balls these guys had to even write that to the king. But it goes on, and let me let me jump to some important key sections, and we're going to get to the best part, and you're not going to believe it when I read it to you. So listen to this section, talking about Great Britain. They have undertaken to give and grant our money without our consent, although we have ever exercised an exclusive right to dispose of our own property. Statutes have been passed for extending the jurisdiction of the courts of admiralty and vice admiralty beyond their ancient limits. Gee, courts extending their limits. Hmm, sorry, I added that. For depriving us of the accustomed and inestimable privilege of trial by jury. In cases affecting both life and property, for the suspending the legislature of one of the colonies, for interdicting all commerce to capital of another and for altering fundamentally the form of government clearly established by charter and secured by acts of its own legislature, solemnly confirmed by the Crown, for exempting the murderers of colonists from legal trial, and in effect from punishment, for erecting a neighboring province acquired by the joint arms of Great Britain and America, A despotism dangerous to our very existence and for the quartering of soldiers upon the colonists in times of profound peace. It has been resolved in Parliament that colonists charged with committing certain offenses shall be transported to England to be tried. So they make a list here, folks. And there's a number of things, of course, that the colonists were upset about. I'm not going to get into every one of those. This is all going out to the king, to Great Britain. What do they say? Administration sensible. This is still in this document. Administration sensible that we should regard these oppressive measures as free men ought to do. They sent over fleets and armies to enforce them. The indignation of Americans was aroused. It is true but it was the indignation of a virtuous, loyal, and affectionate people. A Congress of Delegates from the United Colonies, assembled in Princeton on the fifth day of last September, we resolved again to offer a humble and dutiful petition to the King, and we addressed our fellow subjects of Great Britain. We have pursued every temperate, every respectful measure. We have proceeded to break off our commercial intercourse with our fellow subjects. As the last Peaceable admission this that our attachment to no nation upon earth should supplant our attachment to liberty. This, we flattered ourselves, was the ultimate step of the controversy. But subsequent events have shown how vain was the hope of finding moderation in our enemies. And now it's really building up, folks fruitless were all the entreaties, arguments, and eloquence of an illustrious band of the most distinguished peers and commoners who notably and strenuously asserted the justice of our cause to stay or even mitigate the heedless fury which accumulated in these examples of outrage soon after the intelligence of these proceedings arrived on the continent. General Gage, who in the course of last year has taken possession of the town of Boston in the province of Massachusetts Bay and still occupied it as a garrison on the 19th of April. Ring a bell, folks sent out that from a place a large detachment of the army, who made an unprovoked assault on the inhabitants of said Providence at the town of Lexington, as appears by the affidavits of a great number of persons, some of whom were officers and soldiers of that detachment, murdered eight of the inhabitants and wounded many others. From hence the troops proceeded in a warlike array, to the town of Concord, where they set upon another party of the inhabitants in the same providence, killing several and wounding more, until compelled to retreat by the country people suddenly assembled to repel this cruel aggression. Hostilities thus commenced by the British troops have been since prosecuted by them without regard to faith or reputation." The inhabitants of Boston being confined within the town by the general and their governor and having, in order to procure their demission, entered into a treaty with him, it was stipulated that said inhabitants, having deposited their arms with their own magistrate, should have the liberty to depart, taking them their other effects they accordingly delivered up their arms. But in open violation of honor, in defiance of the obligation of treaties, which even savage nations esteem sacred, the governor ordered the arms deposited as aforesaid that they might be preserved for their owners, to be seized by a body of soldiers, detained, and the great part of the inhabitants of the town then compelled the few who were permitted to retire to leave their most valuable effects behind. The general, further emulating his ministerial masters by a proclamation bearing the date of 12th of June, after venting the grossest falsehoods and calamities against the good people of his colonies, proceeds to declare them all either by name or description to be rebels and traitors to supersede the course of common law and in thereof to publish and order the use of the law martial. his troops have butchered our countrymen have wantonly burnt Charleston besides a considerable number of houses and other places we have received certain intelligence that General Carleton, the governor of Canada is instigating the people of that providence and the Indians to fall upon us. We have counted the cost of this contest and found nothing so dreadful as voluntary slavery. Honor, justice, and humility forbid us to tamely surrender that freedom which we have received from our gallant ancestors and our innocent posterity have a right to receive from us we cannot endure the infamy and guilt of resigning successive generations to the wretchedness which inevitably wait them if we basely entail hereditary bondage upon them listen to this last part now here we go our cause is just our union is perfect our internal resources is great And if necessary, foreign assistance is undoubtedly attainable. We gratefully acknowledge as a signal of the divine favor toward us that providence would not permit us to be called into this severe controversy until we were grown up to our present strength, had been previously exercised in a warlike operation and possessed of the means of defending ourselves. With hearts forfeited and these animating reflections, we must solemnly, before God and the world, declare that exerting the utmost energy of those powers which our beneficent Creator has graciously bestowed upon us, the arms we have been compelled by our enemies to assume, we will, in defiance of every hazard, with unabating firmness and perseverance, employ for the preservation of our liberties, being with one mind resolved to die free men rather than to live as slaves. Can you believe that, folks? Isn't that astounding? The necessity of taking up arms, The importance of our Second Amendment rights, where they, the root of where they come from, is a declaration to take up arms and that we will do so against the greatest power on earth at the time, a year before the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. And I bet you didn't even know about that document. Well, now you do. Now you know just how important our founding fathers view our possession of arms as a God-given right and the necessity of protecting those rights. Hey, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens.